everyone. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the HubSpot Solutions Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. This week, we have on Kevin Barber, founder of Lean Labs, on the podcast to share his point of view on the opportunities in front of HubSpot Solutions Partners with artificial intelligence. He shares the ways in which his team has begun leveraging generative AI, what's been replaced in their internal processes, and what's been augmented. We also talk about the AI prompt-powered solutions the team has both piloted and formally rolled out, things like the outline optimizer and the script scrutinizer, and how Lean Labs handles the integration of these tools across their team and into their processes, from project prioritization to test usage and prompt optimization to ownership and involvement across the team, defining its completion criteria, standardizing its usage, and training the broader team around how to leverage them. Are you currently piloting your own usage of generative AI? And are you hoping to formalize it into documented processes to begin realizing the efficiency gains and output quality improvements? If so, you're in the right place. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered. Kevin, welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing? I'm doing great, and I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're excited to have you. Anytime we can get a couple of Kevins on the mic, you know, magic is bound to happen. I agree entirely. Kevin Squared <laughs> is in the house. Uh, and I think I'm getting a fairly recharged version of Kevin. I know right before we hit the, the record button, obviously, sounds like quite the, quite the family vacation in the last couple of weeks. Right. We take about three weeks every summer. This year, we went to Glacier National Park. We went up to Banff, Canada. We tried to go to Jasper, Canada, but got caught in a snowstorm in the summer. <laughs> and then... Uh, That's Canada, boy. That's textbook Canada, I guess. There right? you go. Exactly. And uh, But we had a fantastic time. That's awesome. I man. highly but, recommend those places. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Um, definitely on my short list, uh, based on what I'm hearing. Sounds like an amazing trip, amazing place to visit. But uh, Kev, also, uh, again, you never know when exactly the date is that we'll get this out to the people. Uh, but I appreciate you covering some time out. I know it's end of quarter. How are things going at Lean Labs otherwise? Uh, Lean Labs is doing well. We're in a, a state of constant disruption because, you know, what it takes to be effective at marketing is changing and the, the tools that we're using are changing. So, yeah. uh, you know, I would say that I am very comfortable with change. In fact, if we're not changing anything, I might be a little bored. But I would say that we're probably taxing our team a bit with just the amount of change that's required in order to win just in 2023 versus 2022. I know. You know? It's, like it's that's, happening at a, it just an accelerated rate. That's it's the deal. Yep. So that that's what I would say is the temperature is we know we need to make evolutions and i hope to share some of the ones we're making yeah. here like like well-timed you know yeah oh yeah i think that's the purpose of the episode to, to peel back the curtain maybe and, and learn a bit about it so and i think specifically uh what you and i were talking about is just as as it is on everyone's mind uh generative ai and the use cases of artificial intelligence and how to operationalize it put into practice we've he we've heard about the efficiency gains the output quality gains etc so uh excited to dig in before we get to the specifics, though, and hammer out some of the things Lean Labs has piloted or rolled out, how would you, you know, how would you give me the soundbite? What is your point of view? What's your perspective on partner use and partner application of artificial intelligence? What opportunities exist? Like, let's start 
at kind of your pitch, your boilerplate, and we'll go, you know, more granular from there. Yeah, here's my point of view, my pitch, so to speak, right? It's not AI. It's not. And we're thinking about it wrong. Hmm. So um, artificial intelligence. What's another word for artificial? Fake. Fake. (laughs) I agree. And if you try to use it like that, and you try to expect it to be smarter than you, then I think you're going to be very unimpressed with the results. So so what I'm doing is I'm flipping those initials from AI to IA, and I'm calling it intelligence augmentation. Mm. So it's still my brain. It's still my ask. It's still my task. It's still my context. It's my intelligence, and it's augmenting it by getting me things that otherwise would take me a lot of time. And if you can flip that to intelligence augmentation, AI is not only a very useful tool, I would argue it's essential and and marketers will not be competitive in 24 months without it. Yeah. Do you think 24 months is that the timeline? You don't you know that how scientific? Uh it's dark throw. Yeah, yeah I, I licked my finger, I put yeah, it in the yeah. wind. But yeah. like here's the deal. I think 0.8% of people have actually used AI, but marketers are the early adopters. A hundred percent. Yep. Yeah, but so, I agree with the sentiment too, right? That it's essential and those that leverage it are just going to continue to grow and those that are hesitant or fail to adopt it as such will will slowly phase out, right? Right, exactly. Like, I mean, yep. my I have twin 15-year-old daughters. They're utilizing AI. They have their own chat uh, QPT <laughs> accounts. <laughs> and they're like, we're. F- I'm asking them to tell me every day how much time they were able to save. They still have to do all the work, right? Yep. But- I see them going in and explaining this chemistry topic, explain it to me like I'm a ninth grader. And it does. And they're like, now they go apply that to their homework. And they're like, I think I saved about a half hour today. I think I saved 45 minutes today. I think I saved 10 minutes today. You know, and it's like every single day, my 15 year olds are accomplishing more in less time. How would you not apply that to business? I mean, every little efficiency gain, every little time gain, time back. I mean, those stack up over time, long-term. It's substantial, right? Absolutely. And if we recognize it's a zero-sum game, we can have efficiency edges for our agency. We're able to outperform for our clients by doing the things that are working and not being one of the agencies that didn't, right? So like that's that's basically the game. And so I do love going back to the flip of the acronym – you meant obviously the emphasis here is augmentation. So what are the primary opportunities that exist for augmentation? I mean, I, I know we'll get to some specifics maybe that Lean Labs is using. Like, how should I be bucketing or thinking about those opportunities at large? Right. So AI, IA, is ridiculously fast at ideating. It's really good at ideas. So what we're doing and I'll give you a couple examples in a minute, but we're utilizing it as an ideating tool really well. Now, it's not good. At, the problem with AI is that it will guess and be wrong a lot. So you got to give it some context. So we spend a, f- a few minutes, actually a few hours, giving an ideal customer profile for each of our clients. Mm. Does that make sense? So like, mm-hmm. and, and, and the ideal customer profile of, the, of our client's client helps us know who we're going after. And we, and we have a, a prompt that we feed in. So if we're dealing with a, a cybersecurity software or a fiber solution or a, we do a lot of tech and SaaS stuff like that, right? What we're doing is the first thing we're doing is we're, we're documenting the mindset of the chief information security officer. And then what we're able to do 
as I'll give you a couple examples of how this is being utilized. All right. So uh, I have a couple of uh, opinions. Uh, first off is you cannot make an amazing page or post unless you can make an amazing outline. Can we agree? Yeah, hundred percent. So, I mean, like you're, it, you're speaking to my curriculum development heart here on the academy side. So I agree wholeheartedly right. so, on that. Yeah. So like, we don't even think about the page or post until we can crush an outline. So now through AI, I have, I, I like alliteration. We have the outline optimizer. Okay. And like the outline optimizer, we, we paste in who the target and recipient of this message is, right? Who our ICP is or persona, if you want to use that word, right? We put in the, the, the title of the thing we're working on. We put in the outline and it criticizes the title. It criticizes every section of the outline. It goes, this is the likely questions, likely objections, where's where we need examples. Here's where we could add extra SME insights to go deeper. And it makes our outlines better. And it takes about 30 seconds. You know, it's I love that. First off, outline optimizer, great, great handle for that. Uh, but I think oftentimes when folks are thinking about like, oh, uh, good content starts with a good outline. So I'm going to have generative AI create an outline for me. You're actually taking it in a slightly different we're not, direction. We're, not saying, doing no, that. we're still going to outline. We're looking for it to react and find opportunities for improving the outlines. Right? Yeah, so we're, taking, we're looking for next level outlines, not, yep. not, not gen generic outlines in five seconds. So we're looking for next level outlines and it only takes 30 seconds to get a lot of feedback, like really good feedback. And uh, if you want, I can, we can even talk about sharing some of this out. I need some AI testers because like mm. we want to, we want to turn this into a thing, but the, um, uh, but then the turning it into thing, a thing is it like productizing it or is that, or like, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just in the belief that the job is to to move where the need needs to move. So I'm not going to just hold these for myself. So I want to get this in, in the hands of my customers to let them be utilizing this for some of the asks that we make of them. Because we ask our clients to roll up the sleeves and do some stuff while we do some stuff. And uh, and we need tools for that. And then, yeah, I mean, we're we're evolving this into like our Sprocket Rocket website builder tool that we use for HubSpot. We're this is going to be built in. So, so the more feedback I get from partner agencies and friends, like, frankly, the faster it's going to get great. Yeah, you know, makes sense. Well, the call is now out there. So hopefully, uh, there we go. Folks, like, uh, yeah, people can down. link out and uh, I'll give you some big old test credits and help you like criticize my stuff. <laughs> so Kev, you actually talked about, all right, we have the optimizer. Uh, I think also the ICP generator for the clients of your clients or the customers of your clients. You're like, Hey, we have the prompts designed and we feed them with the information. And mm -hmm. so what goes in to building and refining the prompts to a point where like now they're rinse and repeat, now they're a machine, right? So like, what does the ideation, that process look like over time? Right. So like my outline optimizer uh, is relatively new. It came out in June, right? We're just using it in-house. And, uh, and it took probably nine hours of my life. I made it myself. Um, but it only took nine hours. It, I'm pretty proud of it. Like we've run a lot of outlines through it, both current ones we're working on and past ones. And we're using it to refresh blog posts and pages. Yeah, it's great. In this next quarter. And, and it, it only took about nine hours because I made the script scrutinizer. I told you I like alliteration. Um, and uh, for all of our videos. And you just, you, what we do is before we shoot a video, we run a table read. We just hit record on our phone, <laughs> do the table read, get the, get the a transcript of that, paste it in, uh, and it and it criticizes the script. Here's where it's wordy. Here's where it could be cut. Here's where you could use an example or a metaphor. Here's where you could do whatever. And it's like, that's what we're looking for. It's like, why wouldn't we, and, and I'm telling you, 
like every single time I can make this thing 10 or 15% better every single time. And I think in some instances we're making it 30% better and we're spending an extra minute to get the inputs and we're spending an extra, I don't know, eight to 10 minutes to implement the feedback that we loved. Right. It's like, I don't know if you can afford to do that, not do that. Like, I don't know if you can afford. Right. Is is this something that should be treated as table stakes? And it's like, Oh, this should just be a, a, a step in the playbook that is content creation. That's where we are now, like rolling out in uh, the second week of July, because next week our team huddle is a holiday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're the second week of July. We're saying, this is the process. You're going to run it through these extra steps. It's no longer, please do it so we can build a tool. It's, yep. Let's do it so we can crush results. Um, and we're extending that to all of the things that we're doing, right? So that, that's Have basically you... one at a time so we don't break ourselves. I mean, I get that. Sequencing it so it's like not everything's changing at the exact same time process-wise. How do you how do you make the call from something you're piloting, testing, experimenting, and like, oh, now it's transitioning more to something we need to more formally roll out and standardize as part of our process, right? So like when do pilots become process, documented processes, right? Yeah, so... Um... I have someone on my team, Ralph, who's working on this, and we have uh, a rule. Uh, we need five out of six tests to get to a B plus level, which we have our own little grading metric, B plus in five minutes. If we can get to B plus insights in five minutes with the tool, then we know that we want to make this a thing. And if it's and then below B plus, we just grade everything a D. So if it's not a B plus, yeah, it's, it's a, a B plus, D. Yeah, we yeah, skip everything else, last, you know, right? Yeah. So like, so it has to be helpful. If it's freaking guessing, or we're spending a lot of time trying to figure out what it means, we know it's not ready, and we're getting the five out of sixes. Now, normally not on the first attempt. Yeah. Just being honest, yeah. right? The first go, we're like, eh, some C pluses. So we're going to grade those as a D and make this better. Um, but yeah, so generally within one or two iterations of our prompts and the way we're structuring it, we're getting to five out of six B pluses. And then it's like, okay, it's time to use it. And, and that's why I said, I'm looking for testers because I, now I need bigger data sets. So, so I can use it five times in a week, but you know, with some agency friends, I might be able to use it 55 times in a week. You know, I, I like the subtext there of like, hey, you're just looking for it to score a B plus that goes back to the depth of intelligence that that that, you know, this tool can can provide. And it's like you shouldn't be shooting for A plus delivery. You're going to get your hopes up. But if it can provide B plus, right, the quality gains, the efficiency edge there is still, you know, the worthwhile investment. Right. Right. And then here's what we're doing right now is in case this inspires agencies, we're taking our very best landing pages from a, an assortment of clients, including our own. And we're building that into, um, we're providing those examples. And then we're providing, we're create, working on inputs to ask questions to create. Uh, we're doing a short form and a long form version of a landing page just by answering about seven questions. And it's like, I don't expect that to be the top performing version. But I can get to a control in like, four minutes because that's mm-hmm. how long it takes to answer the questions and i'm building and patterning this modeling this off of pages and page structures that i know convert it's like you don't want to play the game where you start with a blank sheet of paper anymore right right, right. And we even, from what you know already works right, right. and we've right. been off a blank sheet for a while and i bet most agencies are we have we call them key page flows this is the structure of the type of page we want but now we just attached questions to it. We put it in front of it. We feed in a bunch of examples. Uh, and I can get three versions of a landing page in five minutes. Yeah. 
So, and, and am I going to tweak that? Yeah, we have a duty to tweak it. <laughs> um, right. But uh, what's the, I love the terminology to the hallucinations of generative AI when it's like, because you, I think you mentioned it earlier, it guesses in some places and it guesses wrong just right. enough where like, you can't get rid of this, the check, you know, right. the review. So what I, what I tend to do is I, I say, I don't guess I give me a title, guess I give me five titles. And sometimes I'll take one of those titles and change one word or zero. And other times there are five titles told me I needed to really slow down and think about the title. <laughs> uh, and, and either way, it's moving me forward. So uh, I think we're getting lifts across all fronts, even when I chose not to use the title. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, actually, Kevin, let me ask you this too. Um, you mentioned you're looking for bigger data sets. What are the data? What are the data points that you're looking to benchmark the su success? of these things, right? Obviously you have kind of the, the scoring system, Hey, B plus outputs or, or D, uh, but are there any other measurables that you're looking at to gauge like truly the impact of stuff like this? Well, obviously <laughs> I'm looking for all the actual content to perform, yeah. but we're, we're early in the rolling out that content that was influenced by our outline optimizer and our script scrutinizer. But I can tell you categorically that we're, we are writing, our structures have improved, right? So, but I, I will look to make sure that's improving in actual bottom line results. And then two, um, inside of our prompt tool, part of the thing that we're we're building out is we every time it gets graded, it gets graded by the user. So like I'm looking for the grades and, uh, and by knowing the grade, I have a feedback loop for which to know which of my little tools need to be tweaked. Yep. Yeah, the feedback loop I can imagine is a, is a, a critical component of this thing, right? Like, all right. right, how is it being perceived by the end user or the receiver of that? Yep, yep. Yeah, so every every output has an opportunity to be grade graded. Both the um, we give it a letter grade, and uh, the grades are are lettered and saved. And then I can go in and be like, oh, this one got some C's and D's. Let me see, was it bad inputs or just bad outputs, or both? You know, and I can either tune the questions that I'm asking, provide some examples. Or because we, we, and I, I, Ralph has built some stuff for me. I take a look at it. I'm like, I don't like the results. He goes, well, look at your inputs, Kevin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is what you need to put in to get a good result. I'm like, yeah. ah, you're to blame. You're also to blame here. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. we must adapt as well. So that's the deal. Uh, let me ask you this too, Kev, as you work through your alliterative uh, uh, projects, how do you determine the next one that you want to pilot or test out? Is it, uh, you know, do I sense where there's opportunities for improvement of quality? Is this a major friction point for my team? Therefore, can AI help augment and solve? But what's like the prioritization framework for, for where to send your attention or the team? Yeah, attention? it's where is my gap? Where is my friction? I'm just, I'm solving for myself, scratching my own itches. Do you want to know the first one I actually released? Sure. It's a, it, it seems, it seems unimportant, but it's just a frustration for me personally. It's a testimonial generator that I'm asking my clients to use because I'm always looking for social proof. And my clients go out to their clients and they'll ask them for ratings and reviews and they'll get a, a rating. That's great. But the review, if you don't mind between us girls talking, it sucks. The, the review says I use them and they're great. Mike. Yeah. I don't want to post that. Yeah. Yeah. A little you more know, detail would be helpful. What about it? would be pretty it? cool you know, if we, yeah. if like, what if every single review reinforced the brand theme and helped overcome the likely objections in the mind of the buyer? That's mm. what a testimonial is supposed to do. So the first one I actually released because it costs relationship points with clients and their clients to get bad reviews and go back for another one. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's a bad review. It's just not a usable one. 
right? And uh, so my very first one, I don't have a sexy name for it though, because it was the first one, is the testimonial generator, yeah. right? And yeah. you answer nine questions. And some of them are very easy, like what's the name of the product you're reviewing? <laughs> um, what's your name? Um, but uh, but then you ask some questions and it, and it spits out both a short form and a long form testimonial and said, do we have permission to use this? And it's entirely based upon what they said, but they're answering questions that have a scheme behind them. There's a schema of what story we're building. And it communicates that. And our success rate with that is nearly 100%. Um, so, uh, and not only that, but I just talked to a customer yesterday. They're not even editing it. They're just like, I love it. Use it. Like, yep, that works. Thumbs up. Yeah, that yep, works approved. for me. That's great. Thanks. Way easier than me having to write a testimonial. Yep. And, so it's, uh, it's twofold. It's time savings for the person you're soliciting a testimonial from, which that is a friction point for them, obviously. It's a lift. But then it's also just yielding better testimonials that you're actually looking for and speak to the things you want them to speak for. So it's, it's benefits. It's a win-win. And I don't have to go through the exhaustive effort of training my client on how to get a good testimonial. I just had to train them on how to use my form. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. uh, so wavelengths like, of, of, you know, so, yeah. so yeah. So that's an order of magnitude easier. Um, and so I guess that's, it speaks to the point where like, Hey, you don't have to over-engineer, right. The process in which you identify places for, AI augmentation, it's honestly, at the end of the day, like what is just bringing you the most friction? Like what's just driving you nuts? Or like, where could you get time back in your own day? And that that's a, a fairly informative way to do it. Yeah. And I do have a suggestion uh, based upon a training I, earned, I learned from Ryan Dice here lately that has helped us a bit. It's who's working on the AI. And you need to have your kind of like zero to one people that like to try new things and like to do new things. They need to be your beta testers or alpha testers. And you're and you're more one to 10 people that like stability and whatever, maybe don't throw them into this to be the leading edge of the sword. You know, let them be the people that saw some results and now are more ready to try. Because I do think I freaked some people out <laughs> with the pace of which I wanted to go. Well, I mean, I mean, in the early days, the zero to one, like, yeah, you have to fight through some ambiguity and some unknowns. It's like, all right, where and how do you get started? That could be a challenge, I guess. Right. Not. On even my outline optimizer, if someone would have said, what exactly do you have to do to make this great? I'm like, I don't know. But I'm how interested to... are you in helping me find out? I bet I'll have five versions of it in the next three hours. <laughs> and uh, and well, I'm going to keep working at it until I'm feeling I got my five to six uh, wins. And so that's kind of the framework for, you know, uh, expanding ownership or involvement from the team. But you have like the small, the subset of folks that are early adopter, adopters right? They're going to help shape and drive kind of the early rollouts of this thing. When it's ready for an expanded, you know, tester population, that's when you go to those one to two folks. Is that kind of like, so it's identifying where and how it expands, you know, yeah, that's the pilot exactly right. across the team. Yeah. I'm mostly going, hey, this is the priority. And here's what I think is the opportunity. Ralph goes trying to make a proof of concept. Can I make this work very concierge just playing in chat GPT? Then if that works, it goes to Chris, who is working on our apps. And he's turning that into programmatic software, but only after Ralph has been successful. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's it. Like we're, we're doing the one pizza team. Like we can definitely do this off of one pizza, you know? Uh, and, uh, and that's the deal. We're all remote when all three of us are in different countries working on this. Um, I know you don't hear the one pizza, like the description of a one pizza team too often. I'm glad that you brought that one back out. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I go put 15 people it. on it. I think you're going to get a lot of group talk, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, uh, what sort of guardrails do you put into place in those like early testing stages or even like down, down the path towards wider adoption? But 
how do you give the appropriate guardrails for your team on like how to build and shape this thing? I know oftentimes when people talk generative AI, there's obviously the security concerns. There's the responsible use concerns. Like, do you have to put anything formally in place to help like drive what responsible use looks like for the team? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think there's risks with, with everything that you're feeding into AI. Right. Um, so the, the biggest thing is, is that, you know, we made a small addition to our policies and procedures that if you're utilizing our tool, you're, you're understanding that we're leveraging these technologies. Okay. Well, that's just a box check. You know what I mean? From my perspective, uh, CYA, you know, uh, and then, and then from the secondary perspective, um, because I'm not trying to make it make my actual deliverables, I feel like I'm using AI in a way that like, it's just out, it's just making my outline better. It's making my script better. It's making my testimonial better. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, and have no intention to, by the way, of actually copying and pasting anything from chat GPT. Right. Out to like replace final deliverables with, right. yeah. Right. Like the, the likelihood of that happening for us is quite low in any horizon I can currently see or I'm working on. Like, it's just not, it's not my goal. I'm not trying to do AI. I'm trying to do IA, right. you know? Uh, to the to the checkbox about the CYA checkbox, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how have conversations generally gone with clients? Uh, are they proactively asking you about it? Are they open to it? Do they come with any like concerns or hesitancies? Just more broadly, what does the conversation look like with with clients around it? So in my so we're lean lab, so we work with mostly startup founders and yep. you know all that stuff. So like it has been not even an afterthought. They've been like, oh okay, that makes sense. Well, uh, I'd, be, I'd be afraid if you didn't tell me that, right? Right, that, right. It's like that that makes sense, and that is not my largest concern. Now I think if you hit Fortune one hundred, Fortune five hundred, they're gonna have concerns, but that is generally not my target market. I tend to be working with you know teams of you know they have ten sales reps and one or two marketers. Yeah. Right. Um, again, it's 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 a it's a great audience fit, right? Uh, so like, yep, uh, you know they they're welcome to it. It doesn't ruffle any feathers, and almost if anything, they're expecting it, right? So I think for that's, you guys, that's where we currently are. And I'm not a uh, you know, please seek your own advisement. I'm not here to advise you on this matter, <laughs> but yeah, that's the deal. So yeah, cool. that makes sense. Uh, uh, beyond just the experimentation. You widened the testing pool, and then it sounds like uh, in a couple of weeks, all right, how do we actually roll this out as standardized process, right? Alongside that that rollout step, the standardization of some of these steps, what does AI savviness development look like, right? Like I can imagine now marketers are going to have to have a baseline familiarity, skill, knowledge of AI. Does that factor in? to this at all for lean labs? If so, what does that look like? Well, well here's what I've learned. Um, and we're choosing to solve this in a certain way that may not be right for all agencies, depending on your size, et cetera. But I've learned that even copying and pasting brand ICPs, brand tone, brand insights, the, the pillars of the themes of the brand and what they stand for, just copying and pasting that takes time. So we have chosen to, uh, and we're, we're, actively in the involvements of this, I would say we're about five weeks out of having it as the tool, building a database where we just select the client we're working on and it pre-populates about 70% mm. of what we're doing. We're, we're going to go ahead and take it to that next level because again, I'm, I'm looking to augment my team and I don't, I don't want them replacing lots of thinking with lots of copying and pasting. I'm going to take that off. 
So now, how can we streamline the usage all the way to that level? Right. So, so we are probably take, I mean, I'm already six figures in just being honest. <laughs> so like, uh, so we're taking that approach. I don't, and, and I, I would say that to the smaller agency partner with one of the, some of the big guys, guys bigger than me that are right. Mm-hmm. And just leverage their tools. Not everyone has to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Um, that's probably what I would do, but I would recognize, uh, here's my number one piece of advice. Do show and tells. Uh, that's something I did when I first became a HubSpot partner. I did show and tells with agencies, some bigger, some smaller. I never walked away without learning something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And sometimes I l- walked away going, huh, our process works pretty good. And I'm going to make this one tweak. And other times I walked away going, I thought I knew what we were doing, you know, but their process kicks our tail. Well, at least it did tell 15 minutes ago. And I'm so grateful for the call. And, um, and anyways, like that was very pivotal when we first became a HubSpot partner nearly a decade ago. Um, and I think that it's time that we as HubSpot partners do that again. Let's do show and tells. Let's level ourselves up. There's the ocean is big. Um, let's 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 recognize that, you know, it's all about we can learn faster together. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, um Listen, as somebody who's on the community-led growth team at HubSpot, obviously close to the partner program as well. Listen, what you're saying there resonates with me, uh, and so I appreciate. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good call to arms for the program. Uh, yeah, love cool. that. And, and I'm willing to do some show and tells. Just please don't be offended if I want to do that in a small group. Doing it one to one becomes heavy, <laughs> you know. But we yeah. tend to do it in small groups, and I feel like it's even more effective. Well, it creates space for a little more discourse too, right? Than maybe just a one to one, you know, conversation may, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Kevin, structurally, how are these systems all connected to each other, right? So like nuts and bolts wise, you have an outline optimizer, uh, uh, script scrutinizer. So you have the prompts and they're ready to work. How are they actually connecting to any of the other systems, tools that your team's leveraging day to day, whatever those may be, right? Right. So right now we're in this concierge phase because our, our internal homegrown app is not complete. So I'm utilizing Human Loop to develop prompts. It's a kind of an expensive tool, just FYI. Uh, and I'm, but you can run lots of data sets through it in one click, mm. which is a massive time saver. So, so yeah, the tool is $1,000 a month, but I feel like I save hours a day copying and pasting. It really comes how much do you value your time? Right. Right. Exactly. And then, and and we we value time to market. So that's the deal. And then uh, we're utilizing Pickaxe to get our MVPs, and that's a very inexpensive tool, very inexpensive to run our MVPs, have our clients use them, get some initial feedback, uh, and that's what we're using for that secondary tool. If you're just getting started. Human Loop and Pickaxe will help you know what you need to build. Now we're choosing to then go the database route and and structure this and turn this into its own in-house and then client-facing application. Love that. Um, and uh, that's that's how we're doing it. If that answers your question, yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, I think anytime we can get a sense of tech stacks and the solutions being put into place to solve for some of this stuff, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, um, and, and as much as I can promote those two tools, I could complain about them a little bit too. So they're not perfect, but they do their jobs. You know, yeah. Uh, you know what? What points? What what piece of software is perfect? Well, I mean, maybe I, I know an orange one, but yeah, besides right, that, you right. know, right. Um, I want to ask about uh, as we you know push up on time. I want to ask about what might be coming next as it relates to some of the experiments and some of the pilots you want to build or roll out with the team. But before I get to that, uh, has anything that you've ideated on or thought about ended up in the recycling bin? Like, did did an idea come to you, but it just didn't pan out the way you wanted it to? 
Yeah, uh, I have a, I have a, I have a spreadsheet of those, <laughs> uh, but like, uh, I don't think that either, either chat GPT or we probably, we are not able to have it create a webinar for us. We tried, uh, multiple iterations, dumpster, dumpster, dumpster. Okay. Um, so we still have to be the tip, the, the experts, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, secondarily, uh, we tried having it make social posts. Uh, man, ChatGPT, even when I say in the tone, do not be salesy, it just wants to promote, 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 promote. So we're working on that. We're making some headwinds there on how to have it be insightful and helpful without being like, if you tell it it's a marketer, man, it's like it's, <laughs> so self-promotional. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we've had to tune on that a lot. And it's that one has taken, I would say, five times. It's a simple task. And I would say it's taken five times the efforts and iterations of what we thought were hard tasks, which is like taking customer insights and uh, and and we have a we have a tool where we're generating the outline and then we're generating a draft one of the page in just a couple of minutes. Now we're not using that draft, but man, if we're not getting to a great draft a few minutes after that, that's yeah. been human built. And right. like I thought that was gonna be the hard one, but it's the social media post. But it's cranking and, through that, it just can't get some non it can't pull back on the sales tone of marketing right. messages on social. Right, right, right. So like that's that's kind of what some of the, what we've been facing. And if someone has that figured out, maybe we can trade wins, you know? But uh but that's the deal. And then so uh uh what might be coming next? Yeah, so for us, um it's what our customers need to be doing. So like um, you know, we already assign our customers, we ask them for one day a month. It seems like a small ask, but if you're an agency, you'll recognize what do you think my success rate is and getting the one day a month of assignments that I assigned actually done in that month. I mean, they're busy. That's why they hired an agency, right? I'm signed outside with them for a minute, you know? Um, but the deal is, is like now I'm looking to to really have have them take not only the tool, but here's the process to get you to the thing. Now you tune it and now you run it through my quick check before you publish and it just takes me out of the loop. So that's mm. what's next is systemizing and give and buying my clients time back. Yeah. Self-sufficiency so, on the client side, right? That's yeah. the deal. Uh, yeah. I don't believe we can be successful without that. Um, mm. There's things that as an agency, you just need your client to lead on, but it's our job to assist them. Yeah. I love that. Uh, excited for that. Uh, Kevin, last question. We close every episode with it. Uh, what's the strangest part of agency life? Interesting. The strangest part of agency life mm -hmm. is that it's recognizing that you're solving the same problem again and again and again and again. But for some reason, that is not solvable by a software or a course or whatever. It's like you're just not going to escape that one to one. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so I've been working on that for a few years. I'm trying to launch my clients into a mastermind. Like I'm trying, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. going to keep knocking on that ceiling until I get it figured out. But, but it's just the fact of why do we keep needing to do it one-to-one? -one? Um, that's, that's the thing that's probably the strangest. I, I would have thought we would have broke out. So I'm, I'm going to keep cracking though. Yeah. Yeah. Your hypothesis is like, I think there's another way to do it, but you know, so, you know, it's, uh, the, the fight is ongoing. Right. So, so far in, in 10 years, we, we are still doing most things one-to-one. -one. I am on the mission though, especially with new technologies that we're talking about is to break out of that, break out of that and get another level up in efficiency for clients. So yeah, I love that. Well, uh, fingers crossed, keep us posted on that journey. 
I uh, would love to hear how it goes if you're able to crack that nut. Um, cool. I hope this was super helpful. We all need to get on board and uh, and start leveling up. I think there's a lot of opportunity. It's a good time. It's a good That's time it. because there's going to be massive differentiation here um, based upon what we're all doing together. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I think, again, the call for more show and tell. I think uh, some of the topics, some of the points you made today is a, you know, I think there's this was a flavor of that, right? And so appreciate you kind of walking us through some of the stuff you're building. Uh, the process in which you're building it, the process in which you're validating and testing it. So super insightful, man. I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all this stuff. Awesome. And if I can be a help to partners, guys, hit me up. All right. Well, uh, the CTA is now out there, uh, so you know where to find them. And then uh, for those that have tuned in today, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.